Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. The best is yet to come. Amen. And it's coming soon, folks, much sooner than we think. So let us not get complacent here and shrink back in fear and get comfortable in fear. Because God is going to break out in such a way that uh, our ears are going to tingle. Amen. Coming soon, says the Lord. Coming soon. Coming soon, says the Lord. Coming soon. What's coming soon? I'm coming soon, says the Spirit of God, and my reward is with me. I'm coming to reward those who have been obedient to me. I told you you would be tested, the double, says the Spirit of God. Many of you didn't know what that would entail, but you heard and you prepared and you understood that there was a challenge coming, not just to you personally, but you had no idea it would come to the whole earth, says the Lord. When I do things On the whole earth scale, says the Lord, then I am coming soon. I am descending toward the earth at a more rapid pace than ever before, says the Spirit of God. I am coming toward the earth at a more rapid pace, says the Lord. And I am preparing the hearts of my people to receive me, says the Spirit of the living God. This is no time to let the enemy deceive you or distract you, pull you away in fear. But this is the time to stay closer to me than you have ever stayed with me before, says the Spirit of God. You, Some of you are drawing near in different ways. You are keeping scripture before your eyes again. You are feasting on the word like never before. Stay in that place of reaching out to me, says the Spirit of God, for I have many more things to do in the earth. I have many more experiences to take people through, says the Lord. Don't look at who's here, who isn't here, who died, who didn't die. Many people I take away from this earth because what is coming I want to spare them of and their work is done, says the Lord. Many people leave this, my people many times leave this earth because their work is done, says the Lord. These people do not die in judgment. They don't leave here because they're in sin. This is not right, says the Spirit of God. I make better provision for my people than that, says the Lord. Don't be stopped to make a comment about anybody who's not here. But understand that this is part of my harvesting, says the Spirit of God. This is part of my harvesting, says the Lord. And I come and I claim those who are mine, those who are here to remain will draw closer to me. But there is a harvest that I am working in the earth to take some home because their work is done, says the Spirit of the living God. They died in honor before me, says the Lord. And the Lord says that I am coming soon. I am coming soon with great reward for the obedient, and yet I am coming for more work for them to do, says the Spirit of God. So this will not be a time of rejoicing because of of the money you get or the great job you have or the material possessions you have. But this is a time to stay closer to me. Let that reward remain in your life and let that reward work the work that I want it to do. But I want you to stay focused on the work at hand. 
because there are many people who are crying out to me and I am positioning my harvesters to go out and reap the harvest, to go out and cast out devils, to heal the sick, raise the dead and perform many miracles in the earth yet, says the Lord. There are many miracles yet to be done in the earth, says the Lord. So this testing is coming to purify my bride. This testing is coming to put greater adornments of purity, holiness and power on my people, says the Lord, that they might go forth in mighty power, that they might go forth in my truth, that they might go forth full of power and mercy and love, says the Spirit of the living God, for power and mercy and love will be seen on my people. The naysayers and the judgment people are not speaking on my behalf, says the Lord, but this is a time for great mercy, great power, and great love, says the Spirit of the living God coming soon says the Lord praise God amen 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 so we're going to talk about today about the fact that mercy follows the blood amen mercy follows the blood it's um one of the themes I guess you could call or truths that flow throughout the word of God is is the uh understanding of shed blood being shed for the purpose of remission of sins. And so without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. But wherever blood flows, mercy follows. Because the reason you give sacrifice is because you want God's presence back in your life. You know, you've been separated from God. And you're not receiving the benefits of relationship with God. You want that relationship to be restored. And so this is why we give the offering, give the sacrifice. This is why blood is shed. And this is why uh, uh, mercy always follows the blood. Because the purpose of sacrifice is that mercy would come into our lives. Amen. So that mercy would come into our lives. Um, start thinking about what Jesus did on the cross as being the key to getting mercy from God because that really is what it is uh, many times we don't really know how to think about ourselves as believers after we're saved we know our sins have been forgiven we know we're not sinners anymore in that that's all we do and that's all we have a mind to do we now have a mind to serve God but we still sin you got me. We still make mistakes. So, you know, we kind of don't know how to look at ourselves, how to, how to characterize ourselves. Many of us look at ourselves not so much as recipients of mercy on a, a daily basis, but we kind of look at ourselves as entitled, you know, and and above certain things now. You know, I mean, it, it's really kind of strange because we have a heart for God. But we don't really know how to look at the new creation person now, you know. It's like we know we can't call ourselves sinners anymore, but we know that we do sin. We know we don't want to sin, but we know that when we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have somebody to go to bat for us. Why? So that we can receive mercy. So really, you might say, that we are people who live daily on the mercy of God. 
Because if it's the shed blood that paid for your sins, that gave you the new creation life, that entitles you to the privilege of coming before God's throne and expecting good things in life, then it's not really your good behavior that's gets. You can't really take credit for it, but you kind of cooperate with it. And when you don't cooperate with it, you have an advocate with the Father. You understand what I'm saying? But you, please don't ever let the devil get you in the trap of taking credit for anything good that happens. You know how some people will say, they'll see uh, people get a blessing. Oh yeah, I prayed for you. You know, that's just so arrogant and so prideful. You know, we just need to keep our mouth shut sometimes. And uh, if God opens a door for you to share that with somebody, and it's rare because he gets the glory all the time. When a, when a somebody's rejoicing in God that they have, don't you dare speak up and try to take partial credit for it. You understand what I'm saying? Because uh, really, most of us halfway praying. You know, you don't give it your best shot all the time. We could do better. So it's not like God's waiting for on our perfection to pray the right prayer so he can bless somebody. Amen. You know, and, 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 and don't ever stay out of the place of praying for people because you want to cooperate with their faith for their miracle. You don't want to be a naysayer. So what you really do is you line up in agreement with them for the answer that they need. You're not really taking credit for anything because you don't have nothing to give them. You know, God is the one who's supplying everything. God's even the one that helped you to understand that you could pray and a prayer would get. He's the one who gives you confidence in the act of prayer. And so we need to understand that mercy. You know, we're so afraid to think that we live off the mercy of God. Because that sounds all pitiful and we don't deserve it. And that is you. You pitiful and you don't deserve it. Huh? That's the truth. And see, your new creation man appreciates that. But your carnal frame don't like that concept. He won't take credit for everything. Till he does something wrong, then he won't blame you for that. You see what I'm saying? (laughs) When your flesh gets you in trouble, well, look at what you did. Well, you the one told me to do it. No, I didn't. You just did that on your own. What kind of Christian are you? Amen. And so we have this battle within us. Half the time we don't even know who we are. If we bless somebody, we kind of stumble on it. You understand what I'm saying? You just, there, you know, you're probably trying to make a nail appointment. And then somebody walked past you and needed prayer. Well, you wasn't intending to pray for you. You didn't look for nobody to pray for you. Trying to make your nail appointment, your bootleg nail appointment. So you get a mask on and get them a mask on, and y'all can be all illegal, but you got nice looking nails. You know what I'm saying? You, you are looking to do something illegal, as far as the law is concerned. Amen. <laughs> and then God happens in your life some kind of way. It winds up you bless somebody. Amen. Wasn't even trying to. So that's the mercy of God. Amen. That's the mercy of God. Everything good that comes to us comes through this blood covenant, shed blood covenant. Not our blood was shed, but blood was shed on our behalf. And so that's why the blood speaks mercy from from the first 
times that blood was shed, it speaks mercy. Why? Because this blood was shed from the foundation of the earth. Amen. It was, it was before the worlds were, were, uh, created. Jesus had shed his blood for us. Amen. So it's not like this is something he thought up after the fact to help us because we sinned. This is a provision that was made for us already knowing what we would do. Why would he shed blood if it weren't necessary? Come on, y'all. This wasn't an insurance policy. And we shouldn't sell it like one. This is where it was a premeditated fact. Knowing that we would sin, he made a way back for us. Amen. Wasn't something that just, well, come on, I'll get in the garden and I'll put this here for y'all and Y'all going to be good girls and good boys and never do anything wrong. No, I'm going to put this in the garden. I'm going to tell you how to treat it. And I know you ain't going to do the right thing. Ow! Ow, ow, ow! See, that's a lesson for all of us. Because if God afforded us that great mercy from the beginning, how should we treat other people? No, we want to crucify them 15 times. They can say, they can just look funny at us and we want to crucify people. This is true. You know, they don't treat us like we think we're supposed to in our humble little life. You're supposed to treat me like a queen and a king. You know, we got a lot of old stupid prideful stuff we indulge in. You know, that's why I tell people, stay off social media so much. It's too much royalty on there for me. All these people straightening up each other's crowns. and Queen this and queen that. And, you know, we just crowning each other. God is looking for somebody who'll go give a cup of cold water to them people you pass up all them, roll them windows up and lock them down. You know, it's so, it's gotten so, so tough now. We got freeways so we don't have to drive past homeless people. And the smart ones that get on a freeway exit, they'd be on the freeway begging if they could. You understand what I'm saying? So. But see, we've been recipients of great mercy. And the Bible says if you want to continue in the mercy of God, you must show mercy to others. Amen. Those who have obtained mercy, show mercy. And when you show mercy, you'll receive mercy. So the laws of sowing and reaping apply in our lives no matter what. Amen. So even when you obey God and you get blessed, that's still mercy. You couldn't obey him without the mercy of God in your life shedding blood for you. You know, if you stumble into a, a proper way to approach God so that you have assurance that your prayer is heard, that's just his mercy that showed that to you. Amen? So so we are recipients of great mercy in God. Every day you, that's why you'll see some psalms that repeat over and over again, his mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. They reminded themselves constantly 
that his mercy endures forever. It's everlasting. Why? Because his mercy was applied to us before we were even created. We were created in mercy. God had mercy in mind when he created Adam and Eve in the garden, or Adam in the garden. And so he knew that man would make mistakes, you know. He didn't put us in the garden to fail. He put us in the garden to pass, to pass the test. Uh, We weren't intended to pass the test. Why did Jesus come? Finally, you get to pass the test. Amen. He put them in the garden and told them this. You may freely eat of all the trees in the garden, but the one in the middle, the one that has good and evil in it, you can't touch that. Uh, That was the MC Hammer move in the garden. Amen. Now, why would God put something there? I mean, why not God? Just don't put that tree in there. Huh? Why you put the tree in there that you couldn't touch? <laughs> See, we think that was would have been mercy to have nothing but good trees in the garden. That's the way we think of mercy. Huh? But mercy is given to those who need it. God said... Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, just like us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We'll make man just like us. Well, God knows how to choose good from evil. If you only had good in the garden, you wouldn't have to make a choice, would you? So you wouldn't be like God. So he put it there to fulfill his word. I'm going to say it again because some of y'all looking at me like I just, you know, I ain't lying to nobody. I can open my Bible up and read it to but I don't want to bore you people who have read this a million times. But God, God is a God of choice. He chooses good over evil. He chose to create man in his image. He makes decisions based on How his will, your will is able to decide yay or nay, yes or no, don't, yes, based on your inner values. So God is a God that chooses the right way all the time. Huh? When he, when he, anybody he called in the Bible, people say God, it says God chose so and so. God chose so and so. He put man in the garden and tell him you choose just like I choose. Huh? But what if you make the wrong choice? Well, I'm God enough to be able to fix that because I'm a God of mercy. Mercy fixes stuff, folks. Mercy doesn't condemn people because of what they do. Amen? Mercy fixes it so what we're going through now is the fix we are being fixed every day 
we are being fitted back into the perfect image of God. He so much he loved us, he made us a some a creature that never been created before. So if you could say his original creation was good but weak with flaws, he's fixing that. So that your new creation man is made totally in the image of Christ and not in the old image. There were two Adams. The first one, amen, was a a, a, a flesh and blood. Second Adam is a life-giving spirit. So we had life, but it was it was temporary life. God breathed the breath of life in us, and when that breath leaves us, we cease, cease to live. But now we have eternal life in us. That the shell might fall off, but what's inside there is still got life in it and goes up to heaven to be with God. Amen. So God's just returning us back to Himself. Where the devil thought he could steal us, God's returning us back to himself. You don't know the conversations that have gone on in the spirit about us over the ages. But if Satan tried to take over the throne of heaven, he had to have something that could ensure him that he could get even with God, get vengeance on God for him falling out. Amen. He fell like lightning from heaven. He found iniquity. Iniquity was found in him. Amen. And he fell like lightning from heaven down to earth. When God created the man, Satan figured I'd hold the man hostage. And that way I get back up to my first estate. The devil's always trying to get back into heaven, folks. That's why we trying to get there. People who tell you they don't want to go to heaven's liars. Cause you see, you see them sending sinners to heaven all the time. Oh, so and so, it got their wings today. They know them people wasn't saved and served God, but if they die, they get wings. This is my angel. All false. Huh? <laughs> It's true. They even do it to save people now. You know, people are so carnal. They don't even pray about loved ones or pray for them to get them saved. They don't live right enough, some of them, to get people saved. Everybody's compromising. That's why we're te- being tested now, folks. This will get the compromise out of folk. This will get the love for sin out of folk. This will get everything out of you. Because it's working. I want to tell God, this is working down here. Because <laughs> everybody's scared. Huh? It's true. Even the fearless have fear. Then the people who speak out against fear get persecuted. They're like Noah's days. Huh? Noah's just hammering and building, building, building. People ridiculed and made fun of him until the water started falling and didn't stop. Now they're banging on the door trying to get in the ark. But guess who shut the door of the ark? God did. So Noah couldn't have let him in if he wanted to. 
<laughs> so God's mercy, amen, endures forever. He's a God of great mercy. Great mercy. Great mercy. All of the time. Mercy endures forever. You know, there there must be people in the earth to still speak for God in the face of fear. Amen. There are very few of our, even our faith and healing ministers who are bold enough to tell people they can challenge this virus with the word. Because I'm listening for somebody to say, only one. <laughs> the only one it's always somebody that nobody thinks is is a real big spokesperson or has much to say but uh Rodney Howard Brown remember they put him in jail not too long ago for you know keeping people in his church well if he's taught them to resist the devil and he has a certain spiritual confidence that he can keep that church open and that believers can go in there and worship, even with the law of the land saying something different, then he's going to speak that. You got me? People don't understand who's among us sometimes, but I can tell you from his ministry and how he's operated for God, he's got more authority in the state of Florida than the governor does. He got governmental authority by God. He's an apostle of God and a prophet of God. Amen? So when he speaks from the throne of heaven, and this is how you verify it, as far as my recollection goes, the governor lifted that ban on churches in Florida, did he not? So who's the boss? Come on, y'all. Let's get with us here. And see, many times people are just speaking what thus saith the Lord. Prophets throughout the Bible have stopped floods with the word. They've opened up water with the word. They've ended famine with the word. They've started famine or announced famine with the word. You got me? This word will do everything God wants it to do. He just has to have a servant who's obedient enough to get out and declare what thus saith the Lord. Amen? And so we got to recognize that. you got to recognize that there are people that God has placed in the earth to deliver us from the tyranny of the devil. Because sickness is demonic tyranny. Amen? It's not for believers. You're redeemed from the curse of sickness. We need to say so. Amen? And so if we can continue to stand on the word and proclaim what God's word says, even if it's easy to say I'm healed when you don't have a symptom in your body. But to say you're healed when most people are running because they're afraid of a germ. Huh? So we have to continue to declare the word of God. That's all he's looking for. When the son of man returns to the earth, will he find faith? If he says he's coming soon, we better get it in gear. Amen. Get your faith out. Put it out there where he can see it. Be declaring the word of God at all times. Meditating on it. Hiding it in your heart. Crawl up in your Bible and don't come out. Amen. So God has mercy 
Mercy follows the blood. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 15, I think we'll start there. Praise God. 15 and starting in verse 20. 21 it says Jesus went there and departed to the coast of Tyre and Sidon and behold a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast cried unto him saying have mercy on me O Lord thou son of David my daughter is grievously vexed and with a devil amen but he answered her not a word his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away. She's crying after us. You know, they always misinterpret. It's kind of like, hang in there with me, boys, because your mind will get messed up in a minute. Amen. They're, they're, these, uh, you know, and this is common to people, you know, they're learning, just like we're learning. But many times our response is just a natural response. You know, they think, oh, boy, you know. If somebody we ushers is somebody we can push around. You know, some people don't think they have power unless they can use it in a negative way. So, you know, our declaration of the word is going to have to to fight some negative declarations of people. Some of these governors don't want anybody to go to work for nine months, ten months, six months. It's all over the place till everybody gets vaccinated. I'm already vaccinated. I tell them, y'all don't have to worry about me. Amen. (laughs) I didn't get it. It didn't get me. (laughs) None of these diseases. (laughs) Praise God. So, I mean, you know, you, you, you do what you do, you. (laughs) Let those of us who, who do God, let, let us do God. There's some, you know, they call them conspiracy theory people, but there are some people that are, are researchers who are saying that they have known for many years that there was contaminated vaccines running around. All these children that get autism, it's not, and it just popping up in the last 20 or 30 years. That's no accident. You understand when there's something common among all of them that, uh, and uh that uh, that actress Jenny McCarthy, I think she got an autistic son or something like she's been saying that for a long time. People just write her off as a crazy person. Same thing with this chronic fatigue thing. There are researchers that have identified that as a virus, and they they believe it came through something wasn't you know purified right out of some cells they were you know distilling and all that kind of stuff to get down to the the nitty-gritty of it to make the vaccine, how they make it, gets transferred over into the next batch. So God never created us to trust in vaccines. Now, if that's where your faith is, you know, ask him to honor your faith. Ask him to keep it so that you get the good and not the bad. Amen? But that's not where my faith is, never has been. We've been giving away flu shots, a little red, pieces of cloth that's been our flu shot forever because if the vaccine don't work and you get it anyway you still gotta get your little red cloth believe god thing you understand i rather skip the in between and just go ahead and trust god you can do that too so anyway here's this woman she's a gentile woman 
Her problem, I believe, in this first encounter with Jesus is she's trying to sound like a Hebrew. A religious spirit. You know, we run to people like that all the time. They don't really have relationship with God. They don't really trust God. So they think they can pick up a few pet phrases and a little Christian Christianese jargon and sound like a Christian and look like a Christian to him. But they don't understand that he's working by the spirit and not by the flesh like the Pharisees. Now, see, that probably work in the temple, but that'll work out here with Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? And it won't work to get her what she needs. What she needs is totally supernatural. What she needs has got to come through the anointing that he possesses. Amen. That's what she needs. And so Jesus, when he said nothing, was a test for her to see if she really wanted it or not. You ever ask for something, you ever uh, just musing in your imagination and say something like that, be, be nice to have something like that. Well, if you really want it, you'll go to God and ask for it. You're his child. But see, something wrong with you somewhere. You think he won't give it to you. You think you don't deserve it. You think you're the same place as this girlfriend is right here. Amen. Something is not adjusted quite right in her for her to come up here with this fake Christianity or fake Hebrew stuff she's trying to pull on him. Because son of David, have mercy on me. That was a phrase covenant people used. Because they knew that the Messiah would come from the line of David, right? So he was described in the Bible as son of David. He is the one the Hebrew nation is looking for. Amen. The Bible says he came to his own, but his own received him not. He's trying to get her to receive him instead of just trying to frisk him for what he's got and moving on. What he tries to do with us. He wants us to receive him instead of just stuff. There is a difference. Amen. A man will marry you first and then give you stuff. If you're trying to get all this stuff before you get a ring on your finger, you're going to be sadly mistaken. <laughs> and even after they marry you, like my my dear departed late husband, I'll give nobody all my money. I said, oh, really? He let me know he had something. I said, oh, I'm going to find that. Yep. Find what you holding back, buddy. Huh? Community problem. Oh, y'all cut it out. Everybody out there quieter. There's nothing illegal about this. I'm not going to abduct nobody. I'm not going to pull no gun on, unless I just have to, but you know. <laughs> I'll hold nobody hostage. I ain't going to put him on the bed and put my knee in his back and bend his. Oops. Sorry. I digress. <laughs> I was musing again, musing, musing, musing. But anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. But but there has to be a covenant. There has to be relationship. There has to be love. Amen. Because if we get stuff and don't and miss out on loving God, we missed everything. 
Why even come to God if you're not going to be changed by his love? Amen? Just be a sinner if you just want stuff. But God wants us to experience him. Amen? He really does have relationship. So she says, have mercy on me, son of David. She's trying to imitate Hebrew people. She thinks, and rightfully so, that they are, quote unquote, the only ones who are entitled. They're the only ones who have a covenant, true. But their covenant came by the law. And Jesus operates by faith. Faith was before the law. So you can get something better than being a Hebrew relationship with Jesus. You can get a faith relationship with him. And that's better than the law. Amen? It is. And he proved it over and over again. He fulfilled the law. Every day that he walked, he fulfilled more of the law. And then he operated in the kingdom by the anointing that was open to everybody who believed. So the law of Moses was only open to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But faith is open to everybody. Amen. And that faith makes Abraham the father of us all. He was our father by faith, not by the law. He came to God by faith, not by the law. His descendants had the law. Amen. He had faith. So when you operate in faith, you're blessed with faithful Abraham. Same blessing, better covenant, same everything. So she, then she said, Lord worshiped him and said, Lord help me. He says, it's not proper for me to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. He said to her, great is your faith. In other words, you finally told the truth, lady. You're not trying to play me like you were. Amen. So it took three attempts for her to get the faith that she needed to receive her blessing from God. How many attempts does it take us? Got me? So this is sometimes why we are waiting for things or whatever we want to say. God is laboring with us, just like Jesus labored with this lady. And mercy labors with the person who needs the blessing. I'm going to say it again. Mercy labors with the person who needs the blessing. Now this will stop all of you uh, 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 want to quit on it in a heartbeat type Christians who feel like if it don't come instantly or in a few minutes, God don't want you to have it. Or there's something wrong with your faith or there's something. No, God's laboring with you so that your faith can come up to the quality that he can honor it and you can receive what you're asking for. So that's mercy. So really, if you think about it, Jesus answered her first request. Come on, somebody. What did she ask him? When she first came up to him, son of David, have mercy on me. So he begins his ministry of mercy to her. 
Mercy never looks like mercy. Mercy looks mean sometimes. Read your next encounter. What did he do the next time he interacted with her? Uh Uh-huh. Just didn't say nothing to her. Is that mercy? Yeah, that's mercy. Waymaker. Yeah, everybody... Get your song out now. Your kids ever bugged you for something? You just quit talking to them, but you don't say nothing else to me about you. Uh huh. Yeah. Ooh, and they say, "Oh, mama, you mean? Oh, daddy, you so mean? Oh, you so mean?" You knew they had a begging devil. You want to discourage devils from keeping on your kids. You got it? And you want them to understand that things don't come just through persistently pressuring people to give them to you. So why do we think if we confess the word a hundred times straight, we're going to get something? (laughs) Jesus is like, y'all ain't pressuring me with your confession. Huh? Your confession is more for you than it is for him anyway. So you just, sometimes you say, now wait a minute, I've been saying this for 10 years and I just not figured out what it means. I don't hear. Can I get an amen? Huh? Oh. I must have needed to keep confessing them. Mm-hmm, you needed it. You ain't impressing God whether he knows the word. And he knows you too. And he wants to prepare you for something better. Why? Because he's merciful. Mercy always prepares you for something better. You want your kids to know they got to work. In order to get what they need. You don't get what you want out of life. By begging. Manipulating. Throwing a tantrum. Doing everything to to upset life for other people. Just so they'll give you stuff that you want. And that's the way God treats us. Mercy always does the best for us. Amen. It's not hostile. But it does the best for us. Amen. So mercy has to say no when the wrong answer is given. If you had teachers in school that gave you A's all the time, no matter what you put on your paper. I must say that's probably a lot true now. You can get good grades almost for anything anymore. So Jesus doesn't answer her the first time. He lets her know with that that there's something wrong in her. And what does she do? She tries to fix it. 
If there's something wrong in us, we are the last people able to fix it. You might as well turn it all over to God. Uh Huh? God is not happening here. And there's a reason. And it ain't you. It's got to be me. So fix me. But we do that many times. We try different tactics. Don't you do that? You say, I've been praying this. I've been praying for this for this long and it's hadn't happened. And then you go on YouTube and find somebody else you ain't never heard before and try to get them. Listen to a new tape or listen to a, That's what she did here. Same thing. She tried to fix what was wrong with her, herself. What did we say at the beginning? Mercy fixes what's wrong in us. Huh? When she said, have mercy on me, he didn't say anything. He heard her. So mercy begins. What does mercy do? Ignore her fake request. You know, that should should really help us correct a lot of prayers we pray sometimes. Because sometimes what do we do? As a new Christian, what did we all do? You tried to listen like the person you thought was real deep when they prayed. Most gracious, holy heavenly father. Or then you say, oh yeah, so-and-so. When she sound real deep, she calls him Abba. Now this one, she sound real deep. She call him Daddy God. Oh yeah, then we got Yahweh, we got all the Hebrew names, Jehovah. And then finally one day you say to yourself, you know what God, I'm so confused. What do I call you? Huh? Oh. We started praying to Jesus. Then we say, no, I have to do that twice because if I put that in the front and in the back and then I say in the name of Jesus, we're confused. Mercy fixes that. Then you finally go in the Bible and read the prayer Jesus prayed. Our Father who art in heaven. And you say, oh, okay, Father. As long as I call him Father, I think I'm good. You understand what I'm saying? And quit shopping for who he is. He knows who he is. You got to know who he is. So this lady needs fixing. She needs fixing so that her faith gets expressed and all this religion, religious game she's trying to play with him gets extinguished. Just let go of the toys. Put your toys away. And let's just get hard down serious with God. Amen? Like Esther. You know, she all up there in the, in the palace with, and she belonged there. God put her there. But there came a day where she had to choose between queen and Hebrew. Queen or intercessor. Queen or fasting and praying. Queen. Being queen all the time would have got her killed. So there comes a time where you got to let all that go and just get hard down serious with God. God, I'm not pretending anymore. I know I'm the queen, but that ain't important. (laughs) I might be a dead queen tomorrow if we don't do something. You understand? 
And so there comes a time where we have to get, just take all the, you know, strip all the pretense off, get ugly before God. Amen. Uncle Morty out there. She kind of looking out there at him and said, really? Oh, Uncle Morty, we used to do that stuff. We don't do the sackcloth and ashes no more. He said, girl, have you heard? She said, ooh, it's time to get ugly then. Huh? Sometimes it's just time to get ugly. So you can get what you need from God. You can quit all the religious manipulation and playing around with God and acting like you know exactly what you need to do in order to get this and get that. Lawyer up. See? We supposed to stay lawyered up. It's some people who have so much to lose, they keep a lawyer paid for on retainer all the time. You understand what I'm saying? We got one just like that. Amen? He's he's retained for us 24-7. Anytime we need counsel, anytime we need mercy, anytime we need anything that pertains to life and to godliness, we need to lawyer up. That's what she did. She said, son of David, have mercy on me. When you go to the throne room of God, you go there for mercy. Do you know you don't have to know no kind of scripture to quote back at him? I mean, it's good to go in covenant. I mean, don't get me wrong. Because we all been there. We've been there. We didn't know no scripture. We didn't know no word. And we almost got more then than we get now sometimes. Because we're starting to rest on something that's not there, I think. you got to make sure that you're resting on the mercy of God and not on you. You've been saved for all these years and you know this scripture, you know that scripture. Yeah. Or you can't even rest on your history with God. Because every day is a new day with him. We're tested so that he can impart something stronger to us because what's coming up behind us, we ain't going to be able to make it on this little nonsense we've been doing, this minutiae, you know, we've been working in all these years. So you don't even know that, may not know that he's preparing you in the test you're in now. He's preparing you for something to come that you're going to need to pass this test right here and let him get off of you all of that religion and nonsense and pretense and halfway doing your prayers and halfway doing this. Remove all of that so you can get hard down serious with him again. Like you did when you didn't know nothing and you knew you didn't know nothing. That kind of honesty with God. We're never to lose that childlike honesty and childlike faith uh, relationship with him. We have to hold on to that. And so many times we start getting shifted off of our foundation and then the trial comes to get you back firmly on it. You know, sometimes, you know how sometimes you'll see little kids, they want something. It'll shock you sometimes. If you could follow your kids, I mean, talking about parents, that we used to send kids out to play and that kind of stuff, especially little boys are very adventurous. It might shock you sometimes, or you can see little little boys around the house. If they want something that's up on a tall shelf somewhere, they go get a little stool, then put the chair on the top of the little stool, and then step on the ledge on the on the refrigerator door, and it's swinging. 
and they'd have been up there a hundred times and you never knew it and then all of a sudden you find them swinging off the ledge ah, my baby my baby baby them been up there and ate all that all that stuff up a million times well that's the way we live sometimes in god we on this we didn't put this revelation on here we got this minister up here and that one up there we trying to reach a, a big message or a big healing in god or something like that we about to topple over and god comes and takes all that stuff and he said no wait a minute let me get you on a firm foundation let me show how easy this is if you let me build a foundation for you get all that fakey shaky stuff out of there huh some people live from one new minister to the next. You know what I'm saying. They find somebody that speaks another language and they think they deep. Leave the Bible. Seldom read the Bible anymore. They're always on the internet looking for something else. You know what I'm saying. Looking for something deep and you ain't perfected the shallow yet. I mean, seriously, you see a lot of people out here, they want to tell you, uh, prophesy to you and all this kind of stuff. They don't even have a, a phone. They send you 10 different cell phone numbers. Why? They can't keep a phone on. Huh? The only reason you know who they, you put their name on your contacts, but you don't know whose name the phone bill is in, do you? So Jesus wants mercy puts you on a good foundation. That's why he didn't say anything to her. He was testing her foundation. You know, sometimes when, you know, you just keep going along, you know you need something else from God. And you keep doing the same thing or you go add something to it yourself. Instead of putting it before him. Say, God, what do I need? You know, <laughs> I've been weighed in the balances and I'm a little short. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? <laughs> like Nebuchadnezzar's son. Huh? <laughs> see, I see the finger on the wall. I know exactly why I ain't got it yet. I never came to you for it. Never came to you humble. Never came to you asking for mercy. Thinking I got to have all the answers before I come to you. That's a big trap for Christians. You done been through this teaching and that teaching and this and that. And you should know by now. Same thing the devil tells everybody. Huh? So when the disciples misinterpret mercy for meanness. Verse 23. He answered her not a word. And the disciples to them this looks mean. So they say we going to rough her up some more. Send her away. She's crying after us. She didn't ask y'all for nothing. She asked Jesus for what she needed. Everybody want to get the big head all of a sudden. In mercy, he answered her and said this. 
I am not sent to but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, he answers her with a reflection of her, what's in her mind. Because she's acting like a, a Jew. When she says, son of David, have mercy on me, she's imitating what the Jewish people say. Though she knows she's not one. But she figures, hmm, maybe this will work, I'm going to try it. So in mercy, he does not answer her. And then she realizes, I didn't really fool him with that. So what does she do? She keeps down the same road. Isn't that what we do sometimes? We know it's something wrong with our confession. We know it ain't doing what we want it to do. We know. And then sometimes you'll realize, I've just been saying this. I'm not really believing what I'm saying. I'm saying it so that I can say I've been confessing the word and God can check me off for the day. And I put in my time confessing the word because I really don't deep down believe the word is going to heal me. If I say it, you understand what I'm saying? So what we've done is we've moved off our foundation because we really used to believe that. And we often do believe it. But see, we're getting that condemnation mentality and the devil start beating us up. He ain't confessed the word and look at you. That's why you ain't, that's why you're feeling bad. Look at you. Just look at you and let yourself get all in a mess like that. Get on your confession, girl. The devil threatening you with God's word. It ain't the first time he did it. He did the same thing to Jesus. Huh? If you be the son of God. Oh, he struts around with his few scriptures, you know. You know what will cut all that nonsense out? If you just get up and worship him. If you just would start your day worshiping God, it would put you in a realm of the spirit where faith is and faith abides. And you can start speaking the word over yourself in faith and take your dose of medicine like you're supposed to. It becomes medicine to you when you're in covenant with him. You're in covenant with him when you worship him. So she figures she'd try to worship Ruth. And believe it or not, this opens up something for her. Huh? When he says, when she says, have mercy on me, he starts the mercy walk, which to the naked eye and the carnal mind looks mean. Remember that, okay? Because many times people are being merciful to you and you call them mean. Like your boss that really should have fired you for your bad attitude coming in there with your speaking the word to everybody and telling everybody, put your Bible on your desk and all this guy should have been fired. But they hang on to your little crazy self. Huh? They don't take no crap off you either. They make you do your job. 
They make you do what you're supposed to do. In fact, they're treating you the way God tells them to treat you. Because they expect more out of you. Because you're capable of more. See, don't ever look at somebody who presses you to come out of your nonsense and out of your flesh and and come up to a higher level. Don't look at people like that as people being mean. Because they are affording you mercy because in them is the capability to make you more than what you are. But you're not going to get it being slipshod and being uh, pitiful and trying to get, get out of doing stuff and trying to have an easy route. And they know the difference. They know when you're living up to your potential and when you're trying to slide. That's why the Bible says when the righteous slap you, it's a kindness. Righteous people are capable of a whole lot more than what we give them credit for sometimes. I'm serious. Just because they don't take our crap, we want to say they mean. Huh? People with high standards have always been accused of things like that. Huh? Always. Why? Because excellence is misunderstood. Spirit of God is always misunderstood by carnal-minded people. So then she falls at his feet and worships him and says, Lord, help me. She's cracking. That's what I call cracking. You understand what I'm saying? She's just like we need to be cracked. Get that hard shell religion or hard shell. You know, I was thinking, you know, you're doing our confession, but we tired. We know we need to talk to God and say, God, what about this? I mean, come on now. It's never taken me this long to get nothing from you. What's wrong? You understand what I'm saying? Let's be honest. So she stopped worships him, figuring that might get it, but Jesus sees that as a persistence. Persistence is always a sign of what? Faith. Amen. The fact that she didn't quit coming meant that there was faith in there somewhere that he could get to and get it released out of her so that he could give her what she wanted. Faith for a miracle has to be tested, folks. It don't just don't drop out about the sky. When the disciples said, Lord, increase our faith, he said, you got to talk to a mountain for your faith to increase, basically, is what he said. Didn't he? What do you think a mountain is? It's a no answer. It's a you didn't get it the first time you confessed it. It's just the pain didn't leave the first time you spoke to it. It's the, you notice that? That's the mountain. So really what he's doing is increasing our faith. He's doing us a favor and we think he's being mean. Because we didn't get it yet. Huh? He's helping us. Help never looks like help. Huh? Help never looks like help. Everybody, years ago, I, I say this now, I might be dating myself. For those of you who are big in numbers. 
But anyway, remember, <laughs> remember the karate kid? Huh? He had to stand on one foot for hours or something like that or go out and yank at weeds. Never understood what was happening till he got in the ring against an opponent. Then it all comes clear all of a sudden. <laughs> huh? Because it never looks like what you're after. Spiritual things are never that way, are always that way. They never look like what we're after. Ah. All those people. Well, I left that church. They don't let you preach over there. No, those jobs are filled. They're done by calling. Ain't nobody called you. I heard God tell me your name to call you up here to do that. But we got a lot of work around here that needs to be done. You understand what I'm saying? Working for God is working for God. Huh? You know, I mean, seriously, you just, yeah. Don't be so excited about, you know, I mean, you all know that, so I don't have to tell you that stuff. You know what I'm saying. The minute you somebody calls you for prayer and you give them an excuse, you're you're history. God don't want to hurt your feelings like that and discourage you, so He don't put you in responsibility until He knows you can handle it. He don't put nervous people in charge of sheep either. You got to have some kind of confidence in God. Amen. So this woman continues until he finally calls her a dog and she gets mad you mean that's faith when you get mad you ever you ever been praying about something thinking about something like for instance you you've been taking your children to the urgent care for every little thing that gets wrong with them and then one day, it's one more thing on top of all the other things all day long. And this kid starts whining. He's sick again. You get mad. You say, now listen, devil, you leave him alone. And all of a sudden, the kid's normal again. Mm-hmm. So righteous anger is a part of faith. I'm a witness. Huh? Amen. You ought to be mad at the devil. He mad at you. Huh? But you can go further. If your anger moves you to an unction to take authority, then the kingdom has come to you. Amen? Sometimes the kingdom comes through righteous anger. Never get angry about all these pedophiles out here. and Huh? You didn't just pick that up because you don't like people that mess with kids you know some people hear those stories and it doesn't move them it moves you to want to do something huh yeah so righteous anger is a kingdom phenomenon just like compassion is just like mercy is righteous anger is a kingdom phenomenon so she gets angry with him and does what we call talk back to god You talk back to God, you'll never get anything. I don't think so. I see right here this lady did and got what she wanted. 
where she is. You don't have a daughter who's sick and foaming at the mouth. And you keep looking at her and you keep looking at these other people that keep coming out healed and whole and say, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, wait, 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 hold it. How come I can't get some of that? Huh? So she feels if she can get even a small morsel, that'll help her daughter. That's better than being shut out. Huh? He commends her for having great faith. Why? It's past two resistance tests. Her faith has kicked down two no doors. Huh? Two of them. Most of us, the first no answer, we get our feelings get hurt and we want to go quit the church and go home and sit and look at TV again. Huh? Serious. You serve God, you're going to get some no's. You're going to get some, some, you know, no answers where he don't say nothing to you. He go, oh, well, I guess I get back in my word. Yes, I was going to do that anyway. God, I just checking, you know. And check and see what kind of taking the spiritual temperature around here. I don't know what else I'm doing. You know what I'm saying. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Amen. Why? Because the minute your faith is right, you get it. He's not waiting on anything else. So if we don't have it, he's still working his mercy to make us our faith right. So that we can obtain it and hold on to it. There's nothing wrong with being comfortable and full of joy while you're waiting for your miracle. There's nothing wrong. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. While we're waiting on the perfection to come. See, we can have that, that state of blessedness. We can have that anytime we want. When the, when the devil sees you being too content, that's who comes and shakes you up. Well, girl, get up from there. Look at you. You just, what do you mean? You better get on your confession. You know you didn't confess the word enough or you'd had that by now. Back in the works again. Huh? We don't get it by works, folks. We get it by grace. Amen. Through faith. He has to grace us with the faith to be able to receive that. And when the faith is right, then the grace for taking and receiving it will come. Amen. And until then, you receive it by faith. Amen. It's God, I take my healing now by faith. You said we already healed. And devil, I resist you. You take these symptoms off me. You ain't staying. See, instead of you turning your, 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 anger or whatever on God you need to turn it on the devil who's trying to make you think that God's not treating you right huh be a little cupcake runner they don't do me right huh he wants us all to live like that you know what I'm saying they don't do me right huh God's a God of mercy not pity he's not gonna he's not gonna pet you up because you feel like you don't get what you deserve you better be glad you don't get what you deserve. Amen. So mercy always follows the blood. Amen. Always follows the blood. Uh, turn to Second Kings 20. I wanted to talk about King Hezekiah for a minute. Second Kings chapter 20. Verse 1. 
starting in verse 1, it says, In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, Is your will made out? Huh? Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Now, when God says, set your house in order, you know, sometimes doctors, well, in the old days, doctors would use that term. They'd say, you know, are your affairs in order? You know, meaning, uh, do you have a will made out? You got to talk to the family, yada, 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 yada. But to the ears of a believer, that phrase means something different. Set your house in order. Now, if you're a believer and you're really ready to step over into heaven, you ain't worried about no will. I mean, if you got anything, them kids of yours know what to do with it. You understand what I'm saying? Now, if you got property, everybody who's responsible makes, you know, you could write that on a piece of paper. On your deathbed and hand it to somebody. You understand what I'm saying? Get your affairs in order. But if you're a believer, what that means is you need to start talking to God about are you ready to be taken to heaven right now? See, you're getting your affairs in order speaks of spiritual things when you're a believer. Amen? Many people know when that time's about to come. In fact, if you're a believer, it does not need to take you by surprise. Amen. I'm sure it takes some people by surprise, but it doesn't have to. I remember when my mother was in the hospital for the last time. She had been on dialysis for many years. In fact, there were many people that said, you've been on dialysis. How? I think this is a mistake. You've been on how long? Because many people didn't live very long once they started it. But she was up, was, was it over 10 years or 11 years? She had been on dialysis. And so her one foot had been partially amputated because the circulation was bad and she it got infected. And so she got an infection in the other foot. In fact, she had had an infection that started in it about 10 years Maybe like seven years prior, because I was we were I was new at we were new at the church that we were going to, and I remember there were times when I would just not eat. I know y'all don't believe it now, but not eat for many days or you know for long periods of time, and and God's spirit would visit me a lot, and there would be an anointing on me that was very very heavy and it was noticeable. And I remember having been at church that morning and I came over to see my mother and, and, uh, when I walked in the door, everybody in there said, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And it was just unusual and unique. It was a visitation of God. So I prayed for everybody there and, and my mother said, my toe, she said, this other foot is trying to get infected. She said, and she said, I don't want that. She said, I'm not going to cut my foot off again. And so she prayed for her. After that, I would go over her and visit sometimes and I would look at her and say, Ma, how your foot doing? In unbelief. You know, I'm a new Christian. I'm checking up on my prayers. I don't know if it worked. I felt like it worked, but. <laughs> 
And it didn't look healed to me. She said, girl, that thing healed. I quit asking. See, once you step into faith that's, that makes your unbelief look stupid, you should keep your mouth shut. You understand what I'm saying? Respect the faith, you know, which I did. And so, uh, but, but it was like some years down the road, and her foot got infected again. She went to the hospital. The night before she passed away, she, Pastor Shirley and I went to visit her. And God gave me scripture. He always gave me scripture to share with my mother. And he gave me the scripture, if you confess your sin, First John, yeah. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. And I read that to her. And she said, is that in the Bible? I said, uh-huh. She said, read it to me again. I read it to her again. And she started rubbing her hands on her sheets, which as a nurse I knew what that meant. You know, Sometimes people cling to life by staying in contact with something. You know, you got to have feel in you. And people often when they were about at death's door would begin to rub their sheets. You know. And so she said, you mean God can clean me up? And I said, uh-huh. He can. I said, in fact, he will. I said, I'll pray with you. She said, okay. And she woke up the next morning, and they say when they went back with a pan of water for her to wash herself, she was gone. Amen? And so I know that God prepares people to meet him. And that's what Hezekiah knew. See, when the prophet said, get your affairs in order because you're going to surely die, it says immediately he turned his face to the wall. He got his spiritual affairs in order. You understand what I'm saying? That don't mean go run, find a lawyer, you know, 1-800, you know, hurt now, whoever them people are. You you know, you don't call them people. And it says here in verse 2, he turned his face to the wall. Because the prophet told him, God said, set your house in order. You shall die and not live. He set his spiritual house in order. He turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech you, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in your sight. And he began to cry. And I mean he cried. The Bible says he wept sore. In other words, he gurgled and babbled and blurred you know how you (laughs) ugly cry amen and it says that god it came to pass before isaiah was gone out into the middle court that the word of the lord came to him saying turn again tell hezekiah the captain of my people now this is the thing when you plead before God, you got to make it worth his while to keep you around. I hate to be like that, but be like that. When he said, the captain of my people, Hezekiah probably reminded him, Lord, these people are sheep. They're not going to know which way to turn. You can't leave them here with my kids. You know how my kids are. They're not ready to be king like I would be king. Huh? You try to get yourself reinstated in what God called you to, 
and you don't walk away from it. How many people do we know were called to ministry and got on death, got on a deathbed and pleaded with God, God, if you let me live, I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go do that, I'm going to go do that. You can tell if they fulfill their commitment by the length of their days after that. Many of them get sick right all over again and then they're out of here. But God tells Hezekiah something different. So in Isaiah chapter 38, go there. Isaiah will tell you what went on. Because if I'm the prophet and I'm like, okay, God, come on now. What did you just tell me to tell this man? You know, we get a little invested in our messages. We shouldn't. But Hezekiah don't want to look stupid. So he inquires of the Lord to tell him what he talked to him about. So it says, in those days, verse 1, 38, Isaiah 38, 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, son of Amos, same guy, came to him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I'm praying. Please remember, God, the good I've done. How I have walked before you in truth with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in your sight. And he wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah saying, go and say to Hezekiah, thus saith the Lord God of David, your father. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add to your days 15 years and will deliver you. And this city out of the hands of Assyria. So you need to be believing that God needs a preacher, a believer, somebody useful in the earth if you're given a death sentence. If you just want to get better because you want to get up and kick it and you can get to wear all them clothes in your closet. Or you gotta watch the real housewives which you keep on most of the time with your Bible open instead of studying your word. You've got to make yourself useful in that which God has called you to do. You gotta get more committed to that in your petition than you ever have been. God needs a captain over his people. He doesn't need his people to be without a Without a preacher. How do you think some of these preachers live in, they, in their 90s and they wheel them and look at more Cirillo. You don't think that man's been sick unto death recently? Turn your face to the wall. God always needs a servant. He, if he's anointed you once, he can anoint you again. You can get back up on your feet. You can go and do something for God. If God's told you you need to go out and feed homeless people, when you get back on your feet, you need to start feeding them. In fact, you need to start making provision. Go to go to the store, store up right now. Send somebody to the store. I got to get some provision in here because God told me to feed the poor years ago, and I never did it. I'm going to start doing it now. You understand what I'm saying? See, this is how you make your years lengthy on the earth. You make yourself useful for God. Hezekiah, why was he sick? Why do you think he was sick? He wasn't being the captain of God's people. 
He's running around showing the enemy all his jewels and treasures in the house of God, bragging on what God had in there, showed him everything. So Isaiah asked him, he said, what did you show them? He said, I showed them everything. Everything ain't yours. It belongs to God. So you repent of your pride and you'll give showing people everything like it belongs to you. You make sure he hears your prayers, seeing your tears. He hears your prayer. And he says, I'm going to deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city. Now, at that time, I'm not real sure, but I don't believe the city was being besieged. It was on the way. And he said, this shall be a sign unto you from the Lord. He will do this thing that he has spoken. In other words, God will give you a sign that he's going to heal you. He'll bring again the shadow. And see, turn the sundial back an hour. How many degrees backwards? I think it was was 10 degrees. By which 10 degrees it was gone down. The writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick. And was recovered of his sickness. This is what he said. He said, I said, in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave. I am deprived of the residue of my years. This is what he cried out to God. He, I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord, in the land of the living. I'll behold man no more. And it had, in other words, God, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss the world. I don't want to die. My age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut, I am, have cut off like a weaver my life he will cut me off with pining sickness from day even to night will you make an end of me i reckon till morning that as a lion so will he break with all my bones even then now so he's talking about what's going to happen when he dies and he says in verse 18 for the grave cannot praise you get to praising god God, I can't praise you from the grave. I'm going to have to do Yeah, the grave came. Death can't praise you. I'm going to praise you now while I yet have my being. And death cannot celebrate you. They that go down to the pit cannot hope for you. True, The living, the living, he shall praise you as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. Amen. He says the Lord was ready to save me. So showing God your worth repenting showing him you're ready to go back to work for him to get yeah god i stepped off stupid but you know what you're a merciful god your mercy endures forever and if you will give me another chance i will go and do the things that you call me to do i'm not going to put you off any longer i'm not going to half step any longer i'm giving you 100 percent control over my life I'm your slave. I'm your servant. Do with me as you will, but let me live. You understand what I'm saying? Let me live. And that's all Hezekiah did. Pleaded his spirit. Cause you, as people know in the, somewhere in them where they stepped off wrong. Cause God will let you know. You know in you that you've been shortchanging God. Amen? And so when you get to the point where it's, you know, <laughs> the showdown is now or never. Amen? It's now. No, I'm going to say, okay, that's the wrong song. Wrong song. But you know what I'm saying. There comes a time where you got to, God, this has been too long with this. What do I need to do? God, this hasn't come in for me. It hasn't happened for me. What do I need to do? God, 
Don't cut me off. Give me another chance. I want to, I want to yet serve you. Give me so many more years to continue to preach for you, serve you. Whatever it is that God's called you to do, make it known to Him. And His mercy, He will see your tears, hear your prayer, heal you. That's all He wants to hear is you come into agreement with Him. You have, be of the same mind that He is. And once you're there, Mercy is there for you to bring you back. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Lord, that your mercy endures forever and ever and ever and ever. I thank you, Lord, that we're, your kingdom is more than meat or drink. But it is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Father, you take care of us. We don't need to preach about it. We don't need to extol things. We don't need to to keep parlaying for more of things. But gosh, we need more of you. Wow, we need more of you. We need more of you. We need more of you. That'll satisfy everything. So we thank you for it, Lord. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Pray for everybody. Uh, if there are people there watching us, if you would touch your screen with your glove, I don't care with your glove, without your glove, whatever you're doing out there, <laughs> and believe God for his anointing and his power and his touch. Father, I pray for health and healing today. I pray for people who have given in the offering to bless their offering also bless our bread and our water, take sickness from the midst of us. Father, I thank you. You brought us forth with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among us that we came out healthy and wealthy, and you com- and you, uh, you intend for us to walk in health and wealth all the days of our lives. We break the power of poverty off this nation, off of your kingdom. There is no poverty in your kingdom, but we break it off of this nation and off of your people that are here on earth in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for restoration of health, healing, wholeness, soundness in mind and body and wealth. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So we are dismissed. Amen. Till tomorrow. Amen.